I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day, the day the world stops or should stop to really remember the six million Jews and millions of others killed by the Nazis. It was on this day, 77 years ago, that the Auschwitz concentration camp was liberated. Uh, If you've ever been there, uh, it is a stirring, a soul-shaking, soul-stirring place to walk. Uh, I've been there. I've experienced that. And so we wanted to explore some of the lessons that we need to take away from this day. Uh, I have often said that that which we forget, our children will never know. And what our children do not know, our grandchildren will not possess and I think there are critical lessons. And very pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, Rabbi Avrami Zippel. Uh, Rabbi, thanks for joining us on this very important day. Boyd, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So, as you look at the the day, what what are the things that jump out to you? Uh, I know there are so many who are forgetting, uh, and that that forgetting just worries me. Um, I, I think it's, it's worse than than not forgetting than, than forgetting and not remembering. I was on with Tim and Amanda this morning, and. Tim shared with me uh, statistics that took my breath away that recently there was a survey conducted of, uh, I guess, millennials and Gen Zs, you know, people in their 30s and below, who many of whom had not heard of the Holocaust. Uh, Those that had, I believe, 63 percent were completely unaware uh, as to the accurate statistics of how many people were murdered in Nazi Germany. Uh, They were all under the impression that it was significantly less. And so I think that you know, forgetting in, in a certain sense is almost that that would be something which we can contend with not knowing and being so yeah. woefully misinformed and just having zero idea or the wrong idea seems to be the reality that we're really up against. Yeah, so important. And, and I think as we look back at that, uh, obviously, the, the concentration camps uh, did not begin overnight. Uh, it started with, I think, one of the other big problems we face, and that is with dehumanizing groups of people or people that we disagree with or people we don't know or people we're fearful of. Uh, how do we how do we deal with that? How do we address that? It's such, a, it's such an important question. For me, when I think about Holocaust Remembrance Day in, in 2022, I think the most important message that really kind of jumps off the page at me in today's society is the importance of really understanding what the Holocaust was all about. And to your point, how do we get to murdering 6 million people. It's by dehumanizing them, but then to kind of flip that, when we dehumanize them, millions of people die. For me, the most frustrating part 
of being the grandson of a Holocaust survivor, and I would say the proud grandson of a Holocaust survivor, is specifically in the in the era of COVID. Every single day, we are seeing just absolutely insane Holocaust references. Uh, mask mandates are the Nazis, and vaccine mandates are Hitler, and 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 so on and so forth. And for me. The idea that the Holocaust has become such a political football that we now just kick around the field and and throw it around from one party to the next and one group of people to the next with such ease and with such just disdain, that to me is, is the greatest tragedy as we look back on that generation because we don't realize what happened back there. We don't realize how soon it can happen again. And for us, the Holocaust has just become another way of scoring political points. Oh, I, I am so glad you you raised that, Rabbi. It uh, this not having reverence and respect that uh, that we can use something like the Holocaust or something like the Nazis to compare to vaccines or masks or whatever the political uh, issue is of the day. Uh, I think that's incredibly dangerous because it does two things. One, it uh, it, it puts everything out of context in terms of what the Holocaust really was. Uh, but it also does not show reverence uh, for those that went through that, uh, those that survived that, those that did not, uh, and their families that uh, have lived with that now for generations. I would agree. I would agree. And I, and I think that that is really, you know, that's where the slippery slope begins to allow those evils to to crop up again when we go down those roads of dehumanization. And when we lack that proper context, we are all far too susceptible to fall into so many of those same traps all over again. And, you know, I'll tell you an interesting thing, Boyd, you know, you mentioned having visited Auschwitz personally. I, um, as part of my rabbinical school training, I spent several years in England and I took a group of students when I was interning as a teacher to Germany for a weekend to Mm -hmm. Berlin. And there is actually a concentration camp right outside of Berlin. It's about 45 minutes outside the city. It's called Sachsenhausen. And uh, over the entire weekend, we had debated kind of internally or just kind of, you know, kicked around this idea. Did people know, right, if you see uh, a gentleman or an older woman walking in the streets of Berlin who was in their 70s or 80s, and this was about, you know, uh, 10 years ago or so, would it be fair to assume that they had some inkling of what was going on and they could have done something about it? And we, we just kind of discussed this amongst friends the whole weekend. Sunday, we go to this concentration camp, and it's about a 15-minute walk from the train station, from the S-Bahn station to the camp, and the tour begins at the train station. And the tour guide told us that all of the Jews that were brought to Sachsenhausen would do that walk from the very train station that we arrived at all the way to the camp, and they would walk through the center of town. They would walk past homes, past businesses, past, you know, regular everyday German civilians who were going about their business. And the notion that people could not have known what was going on at that point, you realize, is impossible. And you wonder, you wonder at what point did the dehumanization bother them? And at what point did they become so numb to it that it was just business as usual? It's another day at the office here in Berlin in the 1940s. The government is doing whatever they're doing and become so just desensitized to human suffering. And I think it's really those thoughts that need to stay with us on a day like today to realize how easy it is to go down that same road again. I think my uh, my dentist shared uh, recently the question that he asks people multiple times every day, are you numb yet? Uh, and you <laughs> yeah. think of that from uh, from Greenwood Dental. That's that's a good thing when you're numb uh, going under that right. procedure. But how many right. of us have gotten into that numb space 
because of what we've served ourselves up by what we choose to engage in on social media or where we choose to to get our information. And uh, Rabbi, before I let you go, uh, I want to ask you. We we always look at okay. Let's let's look at the principles. Uh, let's look at what uh, this really does to people. And then what do we do about it? What is the one thing on this Holocaust Remembrance Day? What's the one thing we all ought to do today? Well, for me personally, having lost family in the Holocaust today is a day as a Jew for us to take upon ourselves added acts of goodness and kindness, uh, you know, doing something special, a mitzvah, as we say in our in our parlance, dedicated to their memory, to the perpetuation of their soul and the, the, the legacy they leave behind, but to the wider community that wants to, I guess, avoid that slippery, slippery slope, that wants to make sure they're not numb yet in the, in the terms of your dentist. I would encourage folks to, to go out there and, and find a, a human being or a group of human beings that you consider others, that you consider to be outside of your community, outside of your circle, not part of your immediate surroundings, and cross that bridge. You know, yesterday, a number of us in the community were meeting with the governor, and he shared the idea, talking about anti-Semitism, that hate is very difficult from a close proximity. Go out there, interact with someone who you ordinarily would not strike up a conversation with, and have the ability to get to know them in person and realize how, how easy it is to connect with them as humans when you're in person. I'll, I'll add a quick plug for something that we're very excited about doing. We're going to be hosting here in Salt Lake City. Uh, we're joining a global network doing something called a Super Soul Party. And so on Super Bowl Sunday and two weeks from Sunday, we'll be hosting a Super Bowl party for our community, for the wider community. We're looking for volunteers and for the homeless community. Uh, we're going to be serving a full catered meal, happy, helping them watch the big game. There's going to be hairdressers on site. There's going to be social workers on site, you know, kind of giving them a pretty full afternoon. But beyond that, we're all going to be doing it together. We're going to be joining together with people, with a community, with a group of people who we may not ordinarily connect with who Let's be honest, some of us might cross the streets if we saw someone, you know, who, who yeah. looked to be struggling with homelessness approaching us. And we're going to sit with them on the same couch, watch the game, hear their take on if it was past interference or it wasn't past <laughs> interference, and connect with them on a human level. Because I think that really is the, the, the cure to all that ills us as a society. Uh, and as we always talk about on this program, we always end the last thing every day on this show is do something today that'll make a difference. And Rabbi Zippel, uh, that is making a difference. I can't wait to have you back to break that one down for us and how that all plays out. We'll uh, we'll touch base very soon on that. But thank you so much for sharing just vital uh, insight into how we can best uh, have this Holocaust Remembrance Day today. Rabbi Avrami Zippel, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, bud. We're going to step aside uh, for a quick commercial break. Those are our crucial uh, insights there from Rabbi Zippel. Uh, of how we all need to look at this just a little bit different. And I do challenge you on a day like today, go talk to somebody that doesn't normally fit in your circle and watch the connection grow. It happens. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.